Hello, everyone, and welcome to Think Yourself Healthy podcast. I'm your host, Heather Duranja. Let's dive into today's episode. everybody. On today's episode of Think Yourself Healthy, I'm going to be switching it up a little and I am going to be joined by a co-host and my best friend's sidekick, Taylor Jayason. Her and I are going to be talking about our experience at the Defeat the Mandates March in Washington, D.C. that we recently attended. Um, we're going to talk about the experience, what it was like to be there, um, you know, what her and I each got out of this, some of our biggest takeaway profound moments. There were a lot of key points that were made by doctors citing data and studies that we're going to actually share the audio files from the live event. What the media was saying about the event versus what really happened. And then, um, we're also going to go into some conversations about what we can do to stop the tyranny that's been occurring over the last two years so that we can take back our medical freedoms, actually all of our freedoms, um, and um, also action steps that we can take to help support individuals and families that um, you know are like-minded. So Anyway, Taylor, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. I'm Taylor. Uh, it's exciting to be here. I'm happy to come on finally. <laughs> and <laughs> I know we've been talking about it forever. Yeah, forever. We're going to do another one soon. Uh, just talking about our friendship too, which I think will be really cool. But yeah, I think this is more pressing and I'm just excited to talk about our experience and what we learned and shed some light on the truth. Yeah, absolutely. So Taylor and I both attended the... Um, optimal health conference at the beginning of January. And that was in Phoenix. We drove, we made the six hour drive to go there and attend that event. And it was really eye-opening to sit there in the audience and hear these doctors, these physicians that were stating facts that have been completely ignored by mainstream media, completely denied by organizations like the CDC, the NIH, the WHO, a lot of these doctor, well, I shouldn't say a lot, almost all of these doctors have been threatened in every possible way. They have had their um, credentials stripped, their medical license removed so that they no longer are able to practice medicine. They've had to sit there and watch their patients suffer despite having protocols and action steps that could be put into place to reduce the severity of the, the, the thing, as well as um, also reduce death rates. So we decided after going to that, actually, I think we decided to go to DC prior mm -hmm. to um, going to Optimal Health Conference. Anyway, actually, I think it was after we listened to the Joe Rogan podcast with Robert Malone, Dr. Robert Malone. Um, and he announced that this March was going to be taking place. We literally booked our tickets right then. Um, we got really lucky. Everything happened in our favor. It was like, it was divine timing. It was divine interaction period. The whole experience went really smoothly. There were a lot of people that showed up, um, what do you say? I think I I've seen reports anywhere from 35,000 to 50,000. 
it's very difficult to know exactly how many people were there. We literally were in the very front. We were right at the fence of the Washington, or no, we were at the Lincoln Memorial. So I'll let Taylor tell a little bit about what we saw. Yeah, I mean, when we first got there, our initial reaction, both of us was like, oh my God, where are all the people? Yeah, <laughs> because, you know, people were starting to file and it started at the Washington Monument. And then there was a march to the Lincoln Memorial where they had the stage set up for all the speakers. And, you know, we got there and we're looking around and, you know, there's a decent amount of people and you can see people walking up and crowding the streets and all that kind of stuff. But, um, and especially Heather, her, her, initial reaction was like and you even got emotional yeah I got very upset yeah she got emotional and she was like where are all the people we need more people to fight this just really goes to show what people are willing to do and not do and it was freezing cold like we'll talk a little bit about that yeah more but it was freezing cold and you know people are people are lazy I think we both just kind of looked at each other in that moment and we're like oh my god where are all the people and we st- took, you know, a walk around to kill some time, see the signs. We talked to a few people. And when we came back, I, I told her, I was like, turn around and look, like, look at all these people, like people were really starting to file in. And so I, my guesstimate by the looks of it was like 20 to 25,000, um, which I could easily believe 30,000 feels like a stretch, but yeah. You know. Like I said, it's very difficult to know. I know my initial reaction was devastation. I got really panicky and fearful. I think for me, it was just really the reality of how lazy or just in in, like non-important this really is to so many people that they're just like, eh, someone else will do it. Eh, someone else will speak up. I'm just one person. What could I possibly do? And so for me, I did shed tears. I shed tears of sadness for humanity because we are really at very detrimental times. And we, we can no longer sit by silently and have opinions. And, you know, maybe I'll just be, we'll just say it. Many would deem every single person that attended this, um, March, a conspiracy theorist, because what the information that is being shared goes against what the, you know, the mainstream narrative has really emphasized to the the majority of the population. And so a lot of people are only seeing one side of the story and anyone who speaks out otherwise is being silenced. They're being threatened. They're, they're literally being bullied to a point that for me sitting here, sitting there and listening to all of the physicians, all of these medical professionals who took an oath to do no harm, to hear them talking about their personal experiences and how they have been completely deplatformed, how they have been removed from Wikipedia, how they have not been able to treat their patients. I mean, it was just absolutely overwhelming the efforts that, you know, it's so hard to uh, find the words to say, because there's so much censorship right now. Like literally (laughs) it's just a joke. Like we have to make up words to try and emphasize what we're trying to say. And it's just, it's, it's frightening that we've gotten to this place of not being able to exercise our freedom of speech. It's in, you know, it's just, it's profound to me that here we are. And it's even more profound that individuals like myself who have dedicated their lives, their practices to holistic practices, 
to try and show the public different ways, different modalities of healing that aren't reliant upon the conventional system of having to take pharmacological medications in order to heal thyself. We are literally being deemed kind of like the witches. And it's, it's just like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, that just brings up one of the, one of the key messages that was being uh, conveyed by the professionals there and the doctors was you can either be on the right side of history or the wrong side, you know, you choose. And in that, I mean, I got full body chills when, um, when they said that, because it's like, even though we're being censored and shut down and called crazy and conspiracy theorists and all the names. And like you said, like the witches, um, we know that we're still on the right side of history. And so for me, that was really empowering to know standing there. Oh, absolutely. And I think that it really brings up the idea that we are at a critical time where the choice points that we are making right now are going to predict the future generations and what kind of quality of life they're going to be allowed to live. We we're at a place right now, you know, where there's a lot of social contracts that have been occurring around these mandates over the last two years. And, and, um, I think it was Dr. McCullough spoke about this in his Joe Rogan podcast. And you want to talk about this? Yeah, absolutely. And if you haven't listened to it, it's episode 1747 on Joe Rogan, go listen to it. But one of the things that Peter McCullough was saying is, you know, he was saying he has people come to him all the time and say, you know, Dr. McCullough, if I don't take, you know, the thing, we're going to call it the thing and assume that, you know, what the thing is. If I don't take the thing, I'm going to lose my job. And so he brought up an amazing point and he's like, well, what's the social contract? What guarantee are you getting from this job? If you take the thing, how long are you going to be employed? Are they guaranteeing you employment for five years, 10 years, 20 years? What's the social contract of you putting potentially your life at risk just to keep a job that you may only have for another six months, year? What is the social contract? And that was such an important and powerful point that he made. Absolutely. I mean, in my opinion, these doctors are just absolute heroes. Um, One of the things that Dr. McCullough had spoke about were, you know, that the vast majority of deaths in in this country have, they could have been avoided. And the shortcoming was that we never had a full endorsement from our government for the best and compassionate care and early treatment for each American. In fact, it was just the opposite. And According to the research and the statistics, 85% of those individuals that died early on, their deaths could have been prevented if early intervention was put into place. But these big pharma companies literally blocked all of that from happening. And what people don't realize is that right now, big pharma owns our government. And every choice that is being made is based off of what is in their best interest and not our best interest. We are the taxpayers. We are the people who are paying for these individuals to stand up for our constitutional rights. And that is not occurring, not in the US. And, and, you know, we won't even get into what's happening around the rest of the world, but we're going to keep this, you know, solely focused on what's happening here in the US. So It was really beautiful because this event brought a lot of people together, people like myself and Taylor, who are 
desperate to save humanity, desperate to get the truth out there to individuals so that they know there are other alternatives. This is not a one size fit all approach. And a lot of this goes into the mass, you know, mass formation psychosis that we have been under for more than two years right now. Dr. Malone in his Joe Rogan podcast brought this up and they spoke a lot about this um, at the conference. But the bottom line is what's happened over the last two years is that society has put been put under this mass formation psychosis. I did a whole post on this on Instagram, really diving into what it is. There's four elements of mass formation psychosis. The first part is, is that we have to have a period of prolonged isolation. So things like the lockdown, social distancing, an inability to go to church and to go to sporting events, all of these things, be with our loved ones. The second element is that there is a withdrawal of things taken away from people that they used to enjoy. So we were no longer allowed to attend any kind of big event, any kind of in-person conference, concerts, weddings, you know, we couldn't travel. We weren't able to go to fitness centers, graduations, even funerals. My, my great aunt passed away on uh, the day before the lockdowns and we were not able to have a memorial service for her until was it September? It was like September or October of 2020. It was so sad. And I felt so incredibly sorry. My, my heart just went out to my, my uncle because he literally was isolated alone, having to grieve and not even being able to celebrate the life with the woman that he spent 40 years with. That was just absolutely devastating. And the toll that it took on his mental health and, and so many other families' mental health, it's just, it's criminal. So then there's a third part of this mass formation psychosis, which is the constant perpetuation of anxiety and fear. And this is where the media really, really came in strong and really showed up to do their job. The constant threat of the illness, you know, even just driving on the highway, every single highway billboard, there's a reinforcing message. Would you like to name some of them? Oh God. Um, uh, get your thing. We're all in this together. Um, oh my God. So many one um, wear a, what, what was it? Wear a mask, buckle up, wear a mask or something. They both save lives. I've seen that. Yeah. Just, I mean, it's just everywhere. You couldn't go anywhere without seeing these constant messages of fear. You turn the, the radio on, you turn the news on. It was just everywhere. So this threat of illness and death, not being able to see our loved ones, the threat of loss of money, our job, financial security, threat of life, not being normal. If you comply, we'll all be able to go back to normal. This is the new normal. I mean, these messages, it's like the thought of them absolutely and, make me sick. And I can't, and forgive me, because I can't remember which doctor it was that brought this up, but at in DC, someone said that it was like just two weeks into right after the first lockdowns in 2020, that they were already peddling the new normal. Yeah. Like, yeah. It was already like we like two weeks. This is our new normal. Yeah. How? Yeah. So sorry. <laughs> element number four. And element number four, a single solution offered by an authority with no limit to the absurdity of the solution. And I think you all know exactly what we're talking about. Yep. 
And that's something else that Peter McCullough said in DC said, we've only heard one strategy from the media to stay in lockdown, wear a mask, social distance and wait for the thing. That's it. Yeah. So unfortunately, um, there was so much incredible information and we're going to insert audio pieces from the actual, um, conference that we attended at, at the, uh, Lincoln Memorial. Mm -hmm. But I want to talk to you about, um, actually, Tay, you want to talk to them about what JP Spears said when he came out. Yeah. And if you don't know JP, it's, uh, follow him on Instagram. It's awaken with JP. He's so funny. Um, but he's also, you know, a freedom fighter and does a lot of good out there. And he was the MC for the event. He's also a comedian. So it's just, and he sponsored the event and he sponsored it and he sponsored, he's such an amazing human. And, you know, he got up and really set the tone for the message, which was leading from a place of love and not fear. And so one of the things that he said was the few can only control the many when we're operating from a place of fear. Fear divides us, united we stand, divided we fall. And so here we are united out of love, not about agreeing with each other, not about the thing versus no thing that's stooping to a level that keeps us divided. And so that right away, him setting that tone, you know, brings up a good, like what the media was reporting about this event is that it was all the people who are anti, you know, the thing. And that's not true because there were people with signs everywhere saying, I got, you know, the thing and I'm injured or I got the thing, but I stand with you. Or there were people of all ages, races, backgrounds, beliefs, thoughts, everything. And we all came together just out of love and not from a place of fear and not from a place of, you know, disagreeing with each other. Oh, so okay. here's some headlines. I just want to pull up and read to you of the media coverage of this, how these are the headlines. Okay. How the anti-vax movement is taking over the right. Um, the March for life against anti-vax protests together show a deadly new, what's this say? Deadly new movement that is born. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And they also tried to say there were only a few dozen of us, which yeah. we've already covered there were not. Yeah. There are a lot. Yeah. You, you just go Google. You'll, you'll see yeah. all of the different headlines. You know, Fox news was the only place where I saw God bless them and Tucker Carlson. Yeah. Where they actually showed a clip of what the crowd looked like, accurately reported how many people were there. Um, and then head on Senator Ron Johnson, I think, to talk about just how ridiculous all of this is. And so that was good to see that I think it sparked something somewhere. Yeah. I mean, here's another one. Far right extremists look to bring vaccination opponents into their fold. The bottom line is, is that they're using very derogatory terms towards anyone that is speaking out against not, how do I against say this? The narrative, just yeah, yeah. Against the narrative. I mean, the reality is, is that we believe in medical freedom and choice. And this is something that, um, Kennedy, really, 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 really drove home. The amount of statistics that he spoke about, it, it's just overwhelming. There were so many things that were mentioned that absolutely blew me away. Before I get to Kennedy's statements, um, how about we just take turns going through um, the highlights of each one of these? Yeah. So I'll let you start with Dr. McCullough. We've already talked about quite a few things, but there's still some things yeah. in here. Oh, well, one of the statistics he gave is that there are 227,000 papers in peer-reviewed literature, okay, 
peer-reviewed literature is very important to understand because that is when everyone says, show me the science, that's where it comes from. There are um, 94,000 of these 227,000 papers involve the outcomes of hospitalization and death, but there's only 1,400 papers that outline a pathway to treating the patients and avoiding hospitalization and death. And he said, and I know, and I remember that he said this, he said, I know this because I'm the one that wrote them. And so he has really been the person behind yeah, trying to get literally. this research out there. And all these doctors that stood up there, I said, every time we try to write research, publish a paper, the medical journals that rejects them, won't approve them, won't review them, won't even review them mm -hmm. just because it questions the narrative. And so it explains why of these 227,000 papers in this peer reviewed literature that only 1400 of them even are considering anything about treatment or avoiding hospitalization and death, which perfectly shows why all of these people that have died, it could have been avoided if we were focusing on the uh, right thing. Yeah. And, you know, we're, we won't go into all the details, but what people don't understand is that there were a lot of financial incentives in order to um, support these hospitalizations once it was already too late. Hospitals um, got a lot of federal government money from the way that they were ICD coding these patients, and um, it was very profitable. So another thing that he spoke about that I thought was really important and why, why it's so important that we make ourselves uncomfortable, have to, you know, get on a plane and go to these cold states or warm states or whatever it might be. We have to spend the money. We've got to put ourselves out in order to protect our freedoms. And one of the things that McCullough spoke about were the three critical circles. If we allow the circle of medical freedom to be broken, all of the circles fracture. The determination to preserve medical freedom is in your hands. Medical freedom, autonomy over your own body to determine what happens to your body, your sole possession, and in many ways, it's the only thing you really have. Then we also have our social freedom, our family, our employment, our faith, our community, and then finally, the economic freedom. Mm -hmm. So all, all of these are interconnected, right? Kind of like the mind, body, and soul, right? You know, imagine them as three circles, you know, linked together. And if you break one of them, they all fall away. They all break. They all fracture. They all fracture. So when he said that, it was just really like, Phew, that's so true because we don't think of, you know, we're like, oh, it's just two weeks. It's just a mask. It's just a lockdown. It's just a small business. And slowly we're saying it's just, it's just, it's just. And now we're here at a place where, you know, we've been saying for two years now, your medical freedoms are going to get taken away. And we were called crazy, yeah, crazy. And now here we are watching all these other circles be broken because we didn't fight for our medical freedoms. And so I was really glad that he, he brought that up. So. Yeah. It was a great point. Yep. And that is, we have three critical circles that all of you are in today. We have a circle of medical freedom. You have the freedom. You, and you alone, have the autonomy over your body, the freedom to determine what happens to your body. That is your sole possession. In many ways, it's the only thing you really have. That is your possession. That circle of medical freedom is inextricably linked to a, search, a circle of social freedom. And that's 
social freedom includes your family and your employment and your faith and involves your uh, uh, your overall citizenry in any country that you reside, in any state that you reside. And that is inextricably linked to the circle of economic freedom. Medical freedom is linked to social and economic freedom. If we allow the circle of medical freedom to even be touched, let alone be broken, all the circles fracture. They all do, and they crumble. So writing is on the wall, and the determination to preserve medical freedom is in your hands. It's in your personal hands. It can't be any more clear. And then with the next doctor to come to the stage that was really impactful was Dr. Richard Urso. And he, you know, made the astounding uh, statement that said there are 17,000 doctors and, you know, that have come forward and scientists that have been fired, censored, erased from Wikipedia, like literally taken down off of Wikipedia just for questioning the narrative. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those doctors were there and they spoke about, you know, they, all they did was, you know, submit a, uh, one guy, he said, all he did was submit a request to like the board of directors or something, just to have because he had a concern over the protocol and they immediately fired him without even talking to him. Yeah. And then the other thing is that a lot of them were talking about how they haven't been able to write medical exemptions and religious exemptions because the moment that that gets written, they get flagged and then they're threatened. And the thing that they really drove home is that, you know, getting fired is fine, <laughs> whatever, fire me because I can go and get another job. But if you strip me of my medical license, I can't practice medicine. That is the thing that they literally dedicated their lives. Most of these doctors had to do anywhere from eight to 14 years of school and internships and residencies not getting paid, spending a crap load of money to, you know, get their education, to get these credentials. And then it's being threatened to be taken away for writing an exemption for potentially a very legitimate reason. You know, um, Tay was able to get a, a, uh, exemption for, for the, mask, for the mask early on, very early on. And why did you need that? because I suffer from debilitating anxiety most of the time. And when it's covering my face and I feel like I can't breathe, it triggers these horrible feelings of anxiety. And I would feel like, you know, when that aura of heat comes over your body, like if you're in like a stress response, that would happen to me. The second I put it on, I can't breathe. My nose stuffs up further restricting my breathing. And then I get a feeling of anxiety Then I'm focusing on the fact that I can't breathe. And so you and see where this is going. Fingers and toes start right. turning blue. And then right. you start really poor circulation as it is like, Oh my God, it was just a nightmare. And so very early on, I was able to get that. I was lucky. And I was very lucky because I was able to get a medical exemption for the thing, because in 2011, when I was working in the clinical world, working in hospitals, I was forced to do the mandatory routine vaccinations that they required. And one of those was the flu. And I went into the doctor's office, got, got the shot, 
got in my car, started driving home about 20 minutes later, all of a sudden I started becoming very, very short of breath, like ridiculously short of breath. And so I thought, wow, I'm really tired. And I went and laid down on my bed. And the moment that I laid down on my bed and I started to breathe, I was gurgling, literally gurgling. There was fluid building up in my lungs and it scared me to death. I, I called the doctor's office, told them what was happening. They're like, you have to call 911 right now. My stubborn ass, of course, didn't do that. And instead got in their car and I drove back to the doctor's office where they then had to give me five EpiPen shots and put me on a breathing machine in order to get my respiratory function back into order. That was very frightening. And after that occurred, I swore to myself, I would never put a single thing in my body that would literally risk my life. A job is not worth that to me. It is not worth it. Social contract. It's the social contract. And so for me, I had to make that decision a long time ago because I recognize like this is not worth it. Um, and then after I received this um, medical exemption, I was still, because I was a contractor, I was let go at several facilities because um, they didn't want to deal with me. They, they either I complied or else I didn't have a job. And so regardless of my status, um, I was still fired and I was totally fine with that because for me, it's about integrity. It's about standing up for what I believe. And I remember when one of the individuals was having a conversation with me and she was like, you know, I just, I really think that what, you know, I really feel the same way you do. I have the same beliefs, but I have a family to take care of. And I looked at her and I said, and I don't like I have a family to take care of as well. You know, we're all in the same boat. It's just a matter of who's got the bigger balls to make the decisions that are going to be in our best interest. And it's going to take us coming together and uniting in order to stop, stop the ridiculousness. Can't comply your way out of of tyranny. No, I mean, we've seen that for two years. What, it started with two weeks. Now we're at two years. And here in the state of California, it's a completely more exaggerated circumstance than much else of the country. Um, We stayed in Virginia. Mm -hmm. And why did we stay in Virginia? Because their laws are totally different. In DC, it's full-fledged, like every mandate you could ever think of. Yeah. Um, So we stayed in Virginia where we were not bothered one bit by one person for not wearing a mask. We weren't asked to show proof of anything. We were just living normally. Yeah. Living normally. So these are the kind of choices that we sometimes have to make, you know, um, they, they require us to have bravery and courage and to be able to speak our truths. I cannot tell you how many messages I have received from individuals saying, thank you. Thank you for going and being there. Thank you for having a voice. Thank you for standing up. Thank you for being able to speak the truth, but I'm sorry, you guys. I can't do it alone. We all have to have that voice. We all have to stand up for ourselves. My views differ very much the majority of my family members. And unfortunately, as a result of that, it has definitely compromised the family unit and the way that we interact over the last um, couple, you know, two years, really. Um, it's changed the entire dynamic. And it's it's sad that we're seeing all of these families and friends being torn apart for having a, 
opposing opinions. Mm -hmm. We should all be allowed to have our own opinions without like hating one another. I think that we should all be able to have open conversations and ask questions out of curiosity so that we can try to better understand one another and come from an empathetic place. You know, when people, when I first got my medical exemption, that was shunned upon. That was like, people were like, shame on you shame on you. And I'm like, no shame on no shame on me. I legitimately am very concerned about not putting things into my body that are going to put me at risk. And then when I tell people my story, they're like, oh, well, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Well, but the initial assumption is just that you're a selfish that I'm person. a selfish asshole. Yeah, yeah exactly. I'm just a selfish asshole. Right. So another thing that Dr. Urso um, spoke about were the thousands of doctors and scientists worldwide who have reached consensus on three indisputable recommendations backed by high quality data. Healthy children should not be forced to be vaccinated considering the irreversible risk of damage to the heart, brain, immune system, and reproductive system. Natural immunity denial has prolonged this pandemic, needlessly restricting the lives of COVID recovered people. Masks, lockdowns, and other restrictions have caused great harm, especially in our children, and has delayed the virus transition to endemic. I can't say this word endemic status, meaning it's just like every other virus that we don't really worry about. Right. You know, it's no longer a pandemic. Exactly. And then health agencies and institutions must cease interference with the doctor patient relationship policies put in place are directly responsible for hundreds or thousands of deaths, blocking treatments proven to cure at a hundred percent rates. These are literally crimes against humanity. Mm -hmm. These are literally Nuremberg code violations, Mm -hmm. you know, and there's a lot of talk from people about how Boris over in the UK Mm -hmm. decided to pull out all of their mandates. Mm -hmm. Well, what a lot of the public doesn't know is that right now there is an entire criminal Lawsuit. lawsuit for crimes against humanity for violations of multiple Nuremberg codes. And so it makes a lot of sense why all of these mandates were dropped. All of a sudden, oh, we're not going to do that anymore because they know. They know that they've committed fraud. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think this feeds perfectly into, you know, making the next point of what Dr. Paul Alexander said is that he said, pharma has always put profits before patients. Every policy put out during the course of the pandemic by the CDC, the WHO, all of the public health agencies, it was written by the pharmaceutical industry. Why? And, you know, right before that, when Heather was reading what Dr. Um, Urso said about the three consensuses, the last one was that they were blocking treatments proven to cure at 100% rates. And you might be asking, well, if it's going to cure at 100% rate, why wouldn't they want that? Because these drugs cost pennies. And the drugs that they are recommending that hospitals use, if any, instead of just waiting for the, you know, what is they cost, you know, thousands of dollars, hundreds of dollars, because who profits the pharmaceutical industry, the hospitals, the medical system, it's a system that puts profit over people. They don't care about your health. Mm -hmm. And it's a war on information, which he so beautifully brought up as well. And the war on information is just the truth versus, you know, 
the narrative peddled by the media. And unfortunately, they've done a really good job at being able to lock down their narrative statements by making sure that any truth shares do not have the ability to do so. A couple of weeks ago, when I posted a podcast on YouTube with Dr. Uh, Miguel, or I'm sorry, not Dr., but Miguel Escobar, the PA, the physician assistant. And he is within an hour and 30 minutes of that being posted on YouTube. I got an email saying, sorry, your video was taken down. You are in violation of our, you know, um, policies. policies. This is misinformation. Community guidelines. Com- yeah, that's community guidelines. That's it. Keeping their community safe. And so sure. it just made me laugh. I It actually made me happy because I was like, whoo, that means I'm really speaking the truth. The more truth we, we share and speak, the quicker it is removed. So we also, let's see. Oh, 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 this was really good. When Dr. Ryan Cole made a statement. <laughs> this is a good one. This is a good one. And I think that this really drives home my point earlier. Um, Abraham Lincoln said, America will never be destroyed from the outside. If we falter and lose our freedoms, it will be because we destroyed it ourselves. You can be on the wrong side of history or you can be on the right side of history. And so for Taylor and I, we literally shared tears of joy being there with like-minded individuals whom really understand what that statement means. Mm-hmm. America will never be destroyed from the outside. If we falter and lose our freedoms, it will be because we destroyed ourselves. And right now, this is our naive, our, our ignorance to realizing that one person has the ability to make change. Abraham Lincoln said, America will never be destroyed from the outside. If we falter and lose our freedoms, it will be destroyed because we destroyed ourselves. Mm -hmm. We have to stand up for what we are believing in. We have to start speaking out for what we are believing in. And listen, you guys, I'm as sick of this shit as you are. I am so sick of it. I am sick of having to talk about it. I'm sick of seeing it everywhere, but it's not going away. The only way we make it go away is if we take our power back. Mm-hmm. And how do we take our power back? Stop complying. We have to stop complying with the ridiculousness. And not just stop complying, but take it a step further and start speaking out. And, and if you are not, I saw this quote somewhere, if you are not actively speaking out, you are complicit, like full stop there, like nothing. Like at this point, like this is the choice point we were talking about. We have to stand together. And standing together doesn't mean sitting around on our keyboards and writing mean things on our, on people's Facebook posts who disagree with you and, you know, all of that and saying, show me the science and where did you get that? And these aren't facts and all of these things. We have to stop doing that. We have to stand together regardless of our beliefs and realize that this is crimes against humanity, no matter what side of the argument you stand on really because they've done a really good job of making us so divided and pointing our guns at each other instead of turning around and pointing them back at the system that divided us in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. And it reminds me of, you know, something that I saw recently where it said the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. Mm -hmm. I hate 
contra I hate conflict. I spent a lifetime running from conflict. Same. <laughs> Literally. I mean, on my heart, I get sweaty, stinky pits. Like the thought of conflict was so scary for me. But over the last two years, it's really taught me that I can't be scared of speaking my opinion and, and truly standing up for my sovereign constitutional rights. They are being threatened. They are being taken away. And Dr. Um, oh, I don't want to say his last name, Arian Cariati, I think this was a quote from someone, I think it was in the Soviet Union, right? Yeah, I think or, so. Yeah. And this was after everything that happened, um, you know, in, in Germany and everything. And they said, if only we had stood together against the common threat, we all could have easily defeated it. So why didn't we? Because we didn't love freedom enough. Freedom enough. We hurried to submit. Actually, we submitted with pleasure. We simply deserved everything that happened afterwards. Just, Ouch. Yeah, that's hard to hear. Yeah, it is. And mm -hmm. I think that if we all reflect back over where we've been over the last two years, you know, those who are awakened on any level to what is actually going on in the world are the, are literally all that are standing between humanity and it's complete and total destruction. Mm -hmm. That does not sit well with me. Mm -hmm. Does not sit well. So then we also had the amazing Dr. Malone and Jill Malone. And it's funny because I didn't realize who Jill Malone was until she was standing up on stage and Dr. Malone introduced her. She was one of the very first doctors that I saw videos of early on in the pandemic, standing out in like a, a circle, like it was a like outside the hospital. Mm -hmm. And she was begging and pleading for people to listen to her and I was so moved by her actions and the conviction and the compassion that she had early on when all of this began. And she was discredited. I mean, they made her look like she was, uh, you know, psychotics in psychosis crazy woman, conspiracy theorist. Mm -hmm. She got really emotional. Yeah. She, too. she didn't even speak. She actually um, cried the whole time. She just had tears rolling down her face as she looked out at the sea of people whom were all there to stand behind them and the efforts that they have made over the last two years. So Dr. Malone made a comment and he said, the truth is like a lion. You don't have to defend it set it loose and it will defend itself. Ooh, I, I'm actually going to cry because if we were allowed to hear the truth, this would be over. Mm -hmm. We wouldn't be here anymore. Mm -hmm. They've actively censored it because like that statement says, if you set the truth free, it will defend it. There's nothing to do once the truth is set free. There's nothing more to do. The, the lies can't withstand the power of the truth. No. So they've actively suppressed it. And, and they yeah. joined forces with big tech early on to make sure that the moment anyone else started to speak out against the narrative, they would be silenced. It wasn't long before fact checkers came out. No, it was, it was like, instant. A, it, was it was like, like two oh, weeks. We're locked, loaded and ready to go. Yeah. To center. Yeah. Like, how did that happen? It's, it's a war on information, like they said. And yeah, it's, it's all been pre anyone planned. who has a critical thinking mind has to look at this and what we, has been presented to us over the last two years. And you got to be laughing. You got to be joking at like thinking to yourself, wow, 
none of this really makes sense, does mm-hmm. it? Mm-hmm. So you want to talk about this? Yeah. Yeah. So Dr. Malone, he just made some really amazing points and, and I jotted down a few of them. And one of the things that he said, and I know he, there's a video of him testifying before the Supreme court as well, where he says this exact thing is that these vaccines were designed for the original Wuhan strain and they do not prevent the infection of Omicron or prevent the spread of it to others. Um, and he said that they're not they're, uh, what do you say? They're leaky. Yeah. They're not totally safe for the body. And this guy is one of the inventors of the MNRA, MNRA, how do you say that? Vaccine technology. MRNA. Literally one of the inventors. And they're trying to say, there was a quote that said, some say that he was the inventor. No, he literally was. Yeah. No, they've actually altered his Wikipedia. They've completely deviated, you know, what's the word I'm looking like deviated? No, what's Wait. that word? Um, basically, they're saying that he did not have anything to do with the development of the mRNA vaccination vaccine yeah. development. Yeah, and so you know he started. He talked a lot about the children, um, and you know he talked about the the children getting vaccinated. But before he did that, he said that uh, measured IQ in the very young has dropped a lot recently and fundamental child delays are easily measured and there will be and already is fundamental damage from injecting our children to protect the elderly from a virus because that was that was the goal so he stated that on average and this is from data that on average between one and every 2,000 to 3,000 children who receive the vaccine will be hospitalized with vaccine caused damage in the short term. And then only with the passage of of time will we have any idea what the long-term damage is because we have no idea. We should not have politicized the public health response to SARS-CoV-2 and COVID-19. Regarding the genetic COVID vaccines, The science is settled. They're not working. Now we have Omicron. These vaccines were designed for the original Wuhan strain, a different virus. Whether they made sense for protecting our elderly and frail from the original virus is irrelevant. So let's stop arguing about that. We must look forward. These vaccines do not prevent Omicron infection, viral replication, or spread to others. In our daily lives, with our friends, with our families, we all know this is true. These genetic vaccines are leaky, they have poor durability, and even if every man, woman, and child in the United States were vaccinated, these products cannot achieve herd immunity and stop COVID. They are not completely safe, and the full nature of the risks remain unknown. In contrast, the natural immunity which healthy immune systems develop after infection and recovery from COVID is long-lasting, broad, and highly protective from disease and death caused by this virus. And then he also talked about how these vaccines do not protect our children from getting infected with the Omicron strand. They do not prevent infected children from infecting others. In contrast, the pharmaceutical companies and the government are almost fully protected from any damages these products might cause to them. 
If your child is damaged by these vaccines, you will be left alone with both your grief and the burden of care. No state governor, no public health official, no television doctor will be there to help you. Mm-hmm. That's a really profound statement. Mm-hmm. I am so grateful that my children are in age, they're, they're young adults now. My youngest turned 21 yesterday. And I am so grateful that this is not something that I have to personally worry about in terms of them being able to attend school or them being able to, you know, play soccer on a, on a team Mm -hmm. or go on a field trip somewhere. And my heart goes out to all of those parents who are faced with this right now, you know, here in the the state of California, children are being mandated um, despite the Supreme court ruling for some reason here in California, Newsom is still upholding the mandate that children five and older have to be vaccinated to attend school, mm-hmm. which is just mind boggling to me. Yeah. So with that being said, it really brings us to Robert F. Kennedy Jr., his speech. And we had to leave shortly after that because we had to get to um, the airport. But His audio is going to be a little bit challenging to listen to just because number one, it was freezing cold and his voice was cutting out a lot, but that man stood up there with so much passion in his heart, so much fight in him Mm -hmm. to protect the children. He dropped some truth bombs. Yeah. Okay. My absolute pleasure. This was fire. So the first thing that he said was that this pandemic response has been information chaos is the use of orchestrated confusion and fear by manipulating PCR tests, changing the metrics on how death certificates are calculated. And he went into, you know, the process that it used to be to get a death certificate approved was so rigorous. And now it's just like anything they want. They just think, here you go. And it goes right through the system. It's absolutely insane. And he also said that we were not told, for instance, that people over 70 years old are at a thousand times higher risk from COVID and that children have a statistically zero risk. So we were manipulated by the media into thinking that every American faced the same threat, which is not true. And that meant that we couldn't have a rational response that protected the vulnerable while still protecting our livelihood, culture, freedoms, and our constitutional rights. So this is where things got interesting because he started talking about the Pfizer data Mm -hmm. and this stuff was just, I, I can't wait to, I can't wait to explain this. So everyone put your listening caps on because this is important. So Pfizer, which we know the most about, which is what he said, has over half a million pages of data on their vaccine. And they're claiming they can't release this to the public for 55 years. Somebody tell me why they think that's a 55 years when all the damage has been said and done and we're all, you know, dead and gone somewhere else. Then we'll release it and show how, how we killed all of you. So he said of all that data, of all those half a million pages, there's really only one data point from Pfizer's own data that we really need to understand. And so this is where you have to really follow along. Okay. Because this is what Pfizer submitted to the FDA, which is where everyone thinks that they're FDA approved and they're not, that's a whole other conversation, but they conducted a study Pfizer did. It was supposed to go for five years, but they ended it after six months. And after the six months, when they ended it, they unblinded the study and they gave everyone in the placebo, in the placebo group, they gave them the vaccine. So now 
all, there was no control group anymore. So after the six months, they gave everyone the vaccine. So now we have no idea what the long-term effects are going to be. But in those six months where they had the placebo and the other group, this is what they found. They claimed that over these six months, there were 22,000 people in each group, in the vaccine group and in the um, placebo group. And of the people in the vaccine group, of the 22,000, 21 of them died. So, and then in the people in the placebo group of those 22,000, 17 of them died. So what this means is that if you take the vaccine, you have a 21% increased chance of dying over the next six months. And in the vaccine group, one person died of COVID of those 22,000. And in the placebo group, two people died from COVID. And this is important. This is what allowed Pfizer to tell the FDA and the American people that the vaccine was 100% effective because two is 100% greater than one. But what they did is they manipulated the metric because that metric is relative risk and it's deceitful. And again, I'm completely quoting Robert F. Kennedy Jr. here. And we'll play this audio for you at the end too if you want to listen to it. So the metric is called relative risk. It's deceitful. What you really need to understand is absolute risk. And what this data tells us about absolute risk is that they have to give 22,000 vaccines in order to protect one person from death of COVID. And if you have to give 22,000 vaccines to protect just one person, you better also make sure the vaccine doesn't kill anybody. And if it kills just one person, you've canceled out all the benefits because now you have one person that, that died of COVID right. and one person that died from the vaccine. Right. It's insane. Yes. And so that's what the data really shows, but they manipulated it and used a uh, deceitful metric to tell the FDA and the American public that it was 100% effective, which they've now come out and said that, you know, this efficacy is declining. Big surprise there. Right. So, and anyone who has watched what was Dope Sick? Dope Sick. Yeah. I, yeah, I thought of that. Dope Sick on Hulu. Hulu. Go watch it. If you haven't watched it yet, you really need to yeah. because it. this is based on a true story. Like, this is literally real life. So, if you don't believe what we're saying could actually happen, go watch Dope Sick. Yeah. <laughs> they manipulate the information. Yeah. So then this was also just absolutely mind-blowing. There were 21 people who died in the vaccine group and 17 in the placebo. So he said, where did those extra five deaths come from in the vaccine group? And they were from fatal heart attacks. There were five fatal heart attacks in the vaccine group, and there was one fatal heart attack in the placebo group. So what that means, that is if you take the vaccine, you're 500% more likely to die of a heart attack in the next six months than if you don't take it. And it also means that every life they're saving by averting a COVID death, they're killing four excess people with a heart, heart attack. attack. Yeah. How messed up is that? It's, it's So if you, you know, I know you have seen several people recently that you've known or friends of friends or family mm -hmm. members of friends yes. that are all of a sudden just dropping of heart attacks yes. and all these athletes that are out on the fields dropping of heart issues yes. makes you wonder, doesn't yeah. it? So, I have. Yeah. So, well, another thing that hasn't been discussed is the fact that right before they, the FDA approved for children five and 12, oh, yeah to be allowed to take the vaccine. Mm -hmm. Merrick also just came out with a new medication that is targeted safe for children to use for blood clotting and um, myocarditis. myocarditis. Wow. I yeah. forgot about that. Yeah. Jesus. So more, more amazing truth bombs from, from Robert. There have been 1000 vaccine injuries recorded in the VAERS system. And if you don't know what that is, it's the vaccine adverse event reporting system. And this is the system that's used to calculate vaccine injuries. And we're going to get to some really interesting stuff here. So 
in that system, there have been 1000 vaccine injuries recorded and 20,000 deaths. And that 20,000 deaths is more vaccine deaths than all vaccine deaths combined for the last 36 years. And what the CDC, Fauci, and all the other public health officials and agencies have to say about this is that the VAERS system doesn't work. It's broken. It's unreliable, but it's their system. Like this is the only system they have for this reporting. And so this is where he came in clutch with this, you know, piece of information is, is that he said in 1986, there was an act where Congress ordered the industry to create a working surveillance system that would allow us to accurately calculate the vaccine injuries and deaths since VAERS doesn't work, right? So they've been breaking the law for 36 years, you know, mind that. And then in 2010, they finally said, okay, okay, okay. So they designed a system that quote unquote worked, which was a machine counting system that captured about 90% of the vaccine injuries and deaths. And in 2010, they did a study on this system. And this is quoted from the study. When compared to VAERS, we found that VAERS is missing more than 99% of vaccine injuries. And so what did they do? Okay. So the study showed that one in 36 people who receive any vaccine, doesn't matter what it is, they're suffering with some form of injury or, and, or death. And instead of accurately reporting that one in 36 people, the CDC has been telling people it's a one in a million. And what their solution was, is they shut down that study. They shut down the counting system and they went back to VAERS because it's 99% unreported. And it only truly counts 1% of vaccine injuries. And we're being told that it overestimates it by the media, but there's not one scientific study that shows that VAERS overcounts vaccine injury. And yet we're being fed that from our health agencies and our media. And if there's 1 million vaccine injuries recorded in VAERS and 20,000 deaths, as like right now in the last, like whatever it is, year or two since the vaccine came out and it's 99% underreported, what are we really dealing with here? Well, we came up with a number of somewhere around like probably 6.1 6, 6. 6. million people, individuals who, yeah, yeah are suffering insanity. The other really disconcerting part of this pandemic response has been what I call the information chaos. The use, the orchestrated confusion and fear by manipulating PCR tests and overamplifying them, by changing the metrics on how death certificates are calculated, the complete absence of any good information on case fatality rates or infection fatality rates or all the things that our public health agencies ought to be telling us so that we can individually with our physicians evaluate the risk and treatment and prophylactic protocols. We weren't given any of that information. The information that we were given was badly, badly manipulated. And so now we're left saying, what really happened? We weren't told, for example, that there was a age stratified risk that people who were over 70 are a thousand times more at risk from COVID than those under 70, and that children have a statistically zero risk. We were manipulated, and the press was manipulated in telling us all that every American faced the same threat as elderly people. And that meant that we could not have a rational 
response that protected the vulnerable and protected people in our livelihoods, our culture, our political freedoms, our constitutional rights, and our values, which are all ultimately public health issues. Another thing that um, we also, we didn't capture any of the audio from, um, but there is a group called Real Not Rare. Mm -hmm. And this is a nonprofit organization that has been developed. And I encourage all of you to go to their website. These are individuals whom have been injured from the thing. And each individual who got up there and told their testimonial of what their experience was, the professional mountain biker, he was really compelling. His story was really compelling. They were literally told by their treatment teams that they were not allowed to speak about what was happening to them. Mm -hmm. They were not allowed to tell anyone what was happening to them. They were frightened. They felt alone. They were scared to death and their livelihoods were being taken from them. They did not know what to do. And so this, this mountain biker, um, he actually decided to make a video and go public. And do you remember it was like several thousand people mm -hmm. messaged him going, oh my God, this is exactly what I have been experiencing. And right now I believe their group has over 12,000 individuals whom have come forward with injuries and deaths um, that belong to this, this group called real, not rare, because unfortunately all of the manufacturers are saying that any kind of injury or death is very rare. Yeah. And so they're really trying to bring about the awareness that this is real, not rare. So I encourage you guys to definitely take a look at that website. Also, I just want to shout out Tay and Kathy. You should be really proud of her being able to use her math degree skills to interpret this information yeah. See, effectively. Mom, it, it wasn't always. I used it for something. <laughs> yeah. So she did a fabulous job presenting that data, yeah. I have and, to say. And I want to say one more thing, because I'm really glad you brought up the real, not rare thing, is that um, you know one of the things that was most impactful for me was the fact that those people were there who have been injured or they have family members who, I mean, there was that one poor man who he lost his, what was his son, 11 or 12? Yeah. And he was just in tears and uh, it was really emotional. But when we were, when Heather and I were discussing afterwards, you know, the next day, like what was the most impactful for me, that was because all you're going to hear in the media about this event is all oh, the anti-vaxxers and the people who don't think blah, blah, blah. But here was this group of people who have stepped outside of any shame or guilt and you know um oh so it, i just want to, i just showed tay yeah. something so Worth if you if you go and google anything about jo uh, robert f kennedy and the defeat the mandates right now every single headline is that he evoked nazi germany in an offensive anti-vaccine speech That's and that he had to offer a public apology for referencing Anne frank saying that she was in a better position than what we are here in the united states Jesus. so the reason i point this out is because every single headline literally every single headline is trying to make him look like he is just this absolutely horrible person to deflect the fact that he spoke facts, 
scientifical evidence that is being denied. And so they're trying to do a smoke and mirrors type of, I mean, we just read all of that to you. And most of that was from Pfizer's own data. Finer, yeah, exactly. You know, and, and, but he's being, being called an anti-vax Nazi, whatever. Exploited. Yeah. I mean, and so what, what they're not going to tell you is, you know, what I was saying is that there's this entire group of people who showed up there, they put their egos aside, they put their shame aside and they came forward and said, Hey, I, you know, I got it, but now I'm speaking out against it because I'm suffering the consequences of it. And that takes a lot. Yeah. That takes a lot because there's going to be people listening to this right now who are going to have a lot of cognitive dissonance thinking like, oh, I've been complying. I did this. I did it to keep my job. And it's, you know what? It's fine. Okay. You did it. It's over. But now you have to realize, you know, the implications well, of the- continuing to comply exactly. and not speaking out regardless of whether you did it or not. Exactly. Because Pfizer's CEO recently, I think a week ago, released that report saying that moving forward there, you would have to receive a booster every single three months in order to maintain efficacy. efficacy. That means four boosters a year for the rest of your life. Are you willing to do that? With these kind of statistics and these kind of side effects, then we have no idea what the long-term effects are still. No, on reproductive, I'm passing it, you know, genetically to your children. If you do have them, like all of these different things, we have no idea. Um, I want to play a clip really quick of the one, um, what, what's her name? The one who, the one, this chick right here. Oh, Jen, Jen Zaki or whatever, uh, Biden's press secretary. So there was a conference, a second conference after this, that was, um, she was questioned by a reporter about the defeat, the mandates march. And I just want to play this audio for you of what she, what her comments were about the event. One last one. Uh, just yesterday in DC, not far from here actually, there was an anti-mask uh, yeah. uh, lockdown rally where you know, some of the rhetoric around that was talking about Nuremberg style trials to, to you know, hold Anthony Fauci to account to what media for spreading lies, things like this. Well, we we are well aware that there is a loud and vocal minority uh, empowered through social media and media platforms that proliferate disinformation, politicians who espouse conspiracy theories and fundraise off of opposition to public health. We know that. We also know that 87% of American adults have at least one shot. That's the vast, vast majority. Uh, and over 210 million Americans are fully vaccinated. So our view is that it's wrong, it's dangerous, and it stands in the way of a coordinated effort to save more American lives. That's insane. All right. So I just wanted to play that because I feel like it really puts perspective to the narcissism in our government around wanting to have medical freedom, Mm -hmm. making choices, informed consent, making choices about your body through Mm -hmm. informed consent. Mm -hmm. This is not, this is, you have one choice and one choice only. And if you, if you veer off from that one choice, then you are an absolutely despicable human. Mm -hmm. And speaking of the press, it was Dr. Paul Alexander who called out the press. Oh yeah. There he, he was like, you know, you're, you're here and you're going to, um, he said they were getting their, their checks from big pharma Mm -hmm. and that they're there just to report, you know, we've read you the headlines, what they're reporting. And he called them out and said, do your job, 
do your job and that's when he, on the truth. And that's when he brought up, you're either on the right side of history or the wrong side. Yep. And unfortunately the only, the only mainstream media station that did report anything positive about the event was Fox two. Yeah. And Fox News, yeah. Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson. Yeah. God bless or that, that guy. Yep. <laughs> yep. And also we just want to point out that there was not one single problem that occurred during this entire five hour event. Nope. There was not one dispute, not no one violence. argument, zero violence. We hugged strangers. We loved strangers. Yep. We cried with strangers. We held hands with strangers. Yep. We all came together in unity for the purpose of protecting our freedoms and our sovereignty, our God-given natural gifts that we rightfully deserve. These are our constitutional rights, yep. our constitutional rights. These cannot be taken away from us. And if they are, we are in big trouble. And um, we, will, we will be looking back and we will saying, if we had only stood together against that common threat, we could have easily defeated it. So why didn't we? because we didn't love freedom enough. We hurried to submit. We submitted with pleasure. We simply deserved everything that happened afterwards. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be standing on that side of history. And I hope those that are listening don't either. There are a lot of things that you guys can do to start taking action. I encourage you to visit the Defeat the Mandates website, go to Children's Health Defense, visit their website. There the is, show notes. yeah, everything will be in the show notes. There are a plethora of resources out there. Every single research study that the doctors reference they are available on all of these websites. The research, the truth is there. You cannot Google them. If you try to Google them, nothing will show up. You except for the articles saying that they're conspiracy theories. Yeah, except, yeah, exactly. But here's just a few things that you guys can do starting this year to really help make a difference. Find the date of where your state's 2022 legislation session begins. If your state hasn't commenced the new session yet, be prepared to be at your state house on day one and bring your friends. Organize and invite local groups and community members to show up at your state house and to meet with your elected representatives. Collaborate with as many people as possible within your community who are concerned with health freedom. We have strength in numbers. Here, here in California, we are very fortunate because we live in Orange County and Orange County has done a really good job of coming together at a local level to fight the tyranny so that we don't have to be subjected to the ridiculousness. Other counties like LA County and up north and Northern California, I mean, it's, it's a completely different story. It's way worse than what we've got going on here. Ironically enough, two of my friends sent messages today in a thread, went into Costco and wasn't harassed about a mask. And that's like a big win, you know? And that should not be the way that it is. So you can create promotional graphics for Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can go and download um, templates to promote events that you are going to help organize. If you are planning a rally, be sure to share the information with all of these um, Children's Health Defense. Children's Health Defense, Defeat the Mandates, um, Rare, Not Real. All of these are resources that we have that we can utilize and coming together 
is so powerful. So make sure you visit your advocacy hub, um, engage in polite dialogue with your local board and education members. That's how Miguel Escobar got started. He went to his local school board meeting and started stating facts and trying mm -hmm. to create the change that, and that's how him and I ended up interacting with one another. That video went viral. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's a lot of things that you can do, and it's a matter of you having to take action and, and being informed in order to create the change. So just like you guys, we're sick of talking about this. We're sick of dealing with this. So the more of us that can just speak up, speak loudly, come together, the sooner we can get out of this, but we cannot comply ourselves out of this. Tay, I really appreciate you being a part of this conversation today. And um, please reach out to us if you have any thoughts, if you have any recommendations on events that we should be attending and covering that you guys want to hear more about. If you want to join us at these events, reach out to us. We're more than happy to help organize something, but we all need to come together. Any last thoughts? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing? uh power to the people stick it to the man <laughs> power to the people stick it to the man love it also if you have not watched the movie captain fantastic oh God, so i good. highly highly encourage you to go watch it it's on amazon it's on amazon prime now it was on netflix got recently got taken down um i cried i thought it was you know it was a beautiful movie it's um definitely a different perspective. So the first 30 seconds, you will be like, what just happened? <laughs> so full warning. Um, but the, the bottom line is, is that all of these people who are being called conspiracy theorists are individuals that are just sick and tired of these broken systems that have enslaved humanity. And we have to get the truth out there to start creating the change and creating new systems that are going to allow us to be sovereign beings and live our best lives starting now. Thanks for joining us on the Think Yourself Healthy podcast. Make sure you leave a review and let me know what you think. I love reading your feedback. Come hang out with me on Instagram at Heather Duranja. And don't forget to take a screenshot that you're listening to the podcast and tag me. I love to share it. See you on the next episode.